0: Hi there, my name is Peter Boyd and welcome to the ULR Poirier podcast, where we discuss topics of interest to the parry community, as well as to people living with rheumatic and musculoskeletal diseases. Today, I'm joined by our guests, Nella Kyers and Didier de Kock from Ruminet, one of our Belgian member organizations, so stick around to meet them. On today's show, we will be learning more about peer mentoring, what it is, how Rumanet has implemented peer mentoring programs, as well as some lessons learned from this experience. There's a lot of ground to cover, so let's get started. So first of all, it's a big warm welcome and thank you for being here today to Nella and Diedrich. Thanks very much for joining us.
1: Hi, Peter. Good afternoon.
0: Hi, Peter. Thank you for the interest in our work. So first of all, I'll I'll come to yourself, Nella. Um, Could you please explain to us a little bit about what exactly peer mentoring is?
1: Well, peer mentoring is, well, in the context of our organization, of course, uh, uh, being a patient organization in rheumatology, we see peer mentoring as an experienced patient who is using his or her knowledge and skills and experience to help another patient um, who is recently diagnosed or who has a specific question that he or she needs help with. And perhaps the rheumatologist or the room nurse is not really the first person to go to with that question or is not giving sufficient information. Then someone can go to a peer mentor and uh, can try to solve the question together with the experienced patient.
0: So those of us living with the condition are, are the ones with the knowledge and, and that, that's how it's shared. It's, it's really fascinating. And Diedrich, the, the, the research has been done around it. You've done, you've done research around peer mentoring. Uh, are there differences in the perception between the health professionals and then the patients ourselves?
2: Yeah, I, I think it's a really interesting question. Say, like In general, what came out of our research was that peer mentoring was quite the unknown for many people, even though you were a patient or a health professional, I think the health professionals, and especially the rheumatologists, didn't really could place it in daily practice, and many confused it also with what a patient organisation was actually going to do. so they they that was only education while we want to go a bit further with this research. Patients did clearly see the advantage of of finding a peer that could really help them living with their disease in daily life. So there was a bit of a, a disconnect between health professionals and patients, especially in finding the added value of such an intensive program, which peer mentoring can really be. So there's
0: an added value and a real intensive period at the beginning. So looking at all of those conclusions that you've taken from your research into account, would you say that it is worthwhile investing
2: in peer mentoring? Well, as a researcher doing research in peer mentoring, of course, I will say yes. But now I'll try to convince you. So in rheumatoid arthritis, but also in many other rheumatic diseases, we are now looking beyond the clinical image of a patient. We want to give holistic care and also with non-pharmacological approaches and one of the things that many patients struggle with especially in the beginning is to learn to cope with their disease these patients have a lot of questions and the health professionals cannot always answer these questions and that leaves patients really frustrated and i think the added value of peer mentoring is really into that topic if we can help people getting to cope better with their disease there's a clear add value and it's worthwhile investing in such a program.
0: It's all about helping people to cope better and, and better outcomes. That's really what we're looking for. Okay, let's take a short break now to share some information about the ULR twenty twenty-two Congress.
1: We recommend that our listeners attend the Power Abstract session named From Abstract to Concrete, the variety of activities of power organizations, which takes place on Friday the 3rd of June at 10.30 Central European Time. This session aims to showcase and promote the variety of activities of power organizations at the national level. It will certainly be a very interesting and dynamic session, so make sure to join us. Virtual and on-site Congress tickets are still available, so register today on the website, and we look forward to meeting you in June.
0: Great stuff. Let's get back to our conversation. So Nala, if I turn to you uh, now, you've obviously already started a pilot project in in, in Belgium around peer mentoring. Uh, how's it going? And uh, um, what are the first findings that, that you're from this program? Um,
1: yeah, of course, uh, we were in contact with Diederik when um, his research was finished and he convinced us that uh, this was really a good project, something that we would work on in the future within our organization. And um, for a few years now, within Rumenet, we are working with patient experts and um we were really focusing on project with stakeholders um, outside the patient community, like uh, researchers, but also healthcare professionals and industry and um, working together with patients really on a, peer mentoring basis was not something that we put a lot of effort in yet. So with the research from Didrik, it really convinced us that we had to move forward. And um, we did a few steps to start a a nice project. We trained the patient experts. We gave them an extra training in peer mentoring. And I really have to say that it is really, really important to have this extra training because peer mentoring is, is something really delicate as well. And then we also looked For a few rheumatologists who would support our project and would step into it, we handed over some flyers that they would have to give to the uh, newly diagnosed patients, and then they would be able to select a mentor for them to get in touch with. And our first findings, we are a, a bit surprised that it's not loads of people contacting us. But there's, uh, we have found out that there's many reasons for that. The patients from their sides who contact us, they say that they have fears actually to contact the patient organization. So it takes time for them to, to get used to the idea of stepping towards a patient organization. You know, there's still this vague idea that we all always complain and, you know, <laughs> things. So not really the positive image. So we have to convince uh, patients that uh, we do work in a positive way. Also, patients believe that it's a lot of information right in the beginning. So they get their diagnosis, they get the new treatment, so they have to maybe adapt their, their lifestyle or their work environment. So it's, it's a lot of things from the beginning. So maybe really focusing on really diagnosed patients would be a bit too much. And also there is some fear for commitment. They Maybe they think they have to become a member of our organization or they have to go to meetings, which is not the case. But we have to tell them that they are free, of course, to take next steps. But the most important message is that they're all very happy in the end that they have contacted us and that they've been in touch with the mentor. So although there are some hurdles in the beginning, they're all happy to contact us and have uh, a talk with the mentor. From the rheumatologist's side, we see that they do tend to forget to hand out the flyers. They have a lot of stuff to do during a consultation. There's very limited time. You all know that. So we understand that also handing out that extra flyer might be something well, that they can forget, of course. But not only that, they also say that for people who get their diagnosis, it is indeed a lot to take on from the beginning. So they are more willing to hand out the flyers or present the initiative to people who have their diagnosis for a little bit of time so that they're more they're they're used to their treatment and uh, that it's not you know too overwhelming so that's what we've seen from the patient side that maybe we should move on to more people with a longer diagnosis. And it's the same message that we get from the rheumatologist.
0: It's an interesting uh, point that you make about those lessons learned along the way of how it kind of moves with the times of what you see and, and what comes back in the feedback that you get. And are those the kind of things that you would say for anyone listening that, that is considering starting a similar project? But there will be maybe some of the lessons that you've learned, some of the do's and don'ts that you would be passing on. Um, is there anything else that you would consider vitally important that they should know?
1: Well, like I said before, you have to train the mentors. That's really, really important. Uh, it needs to be a reliable team. And uh, it takes an effort, of course, from patients who, have, uh, who want to become a member. It's not only GDPR that you have to take into account, but also what can you say and what should you not say in certain situations. And it should be listening and not talking. Because you've had your experience as a patient for quite some time, and you sometimes have the intention to take over the conversation and tell the patient what you have experienced. But the listening part is, is far more important. The people need to have the chance to tell their story and uh, ask their questions. So it should not be a one-man show of the mentor. And then the training is really important for that. And of course, convince the rheumatologists of the value of the project. And you have to present your team and make sure that the rheumatologists know that you're a valuable organization, that they can trust the peer mentors in doing a good job and not taking over their job, of course. Things like medication or, and treatment, that's really still the rheumatologist's Item And we, we can give some, some feedback, but it's not our job as a peer mentor or as a patient uh, expert to decide what, what about medication, of course. So that's also very important. And um, publicity, you have to make sure you can reach out to the patients. If they don't know about you, they, they cannot take part in the program, of course.
0: And Diedrich is there anything from your side that you've learned or that you'd feel is, is vitally important that uh, other, other listeners to the podcast might want to consider before starting a similar project?
2: Actually, I'm more from an academic background. And we academics, uh, we, we always do everything in our, our ivory tower. And I think one of the things I've learned as an academic is that it's actually really learnful to work together with patients and try to make projects with a common ground And I think those things actually can help the patients really quickly in daily practice. But then from the other side, I would also encourage a lot of patients with IDs to also contact academics and try to cooperate to get the IDs into practice with some academic background. I think this is sometimes not enough in research. And I think we we have to do that better now. And I think this, this project is something that can be an exemplar
0: for many it really is and, and i hope our, our listeners have really enjoyed uh hearing about the new peer mentoring program that's that uh, ruminette have initiated there but unfortunately that is all the time that we have for today thanks so much for listening and thank you to our guests Nella cars and digit really fascinating stuff thank you
1: was a pleasure thank you peter thank
0: you peter join us again for our next episode if you don't want to miss it Please don't forget to follow the podcast on Spotify, iTunes or other podcast platforms so that you get notified when an episode is available. Until next time, take care.